0: Well, last night I was over at uh, the Sugarloaf Point. The point of Sugarloaf, and uh, and we had a good time together over there. And while I was over there, um, I asked them a question. I said, I said, uh, tell me something that is small but is powerful. Something that is small but can do some great damage, or. Something that is small but is great. And, and so different ideas came up. So actually, in fact, uh, someone said an idea. An idea can be small, but it can be something that is great. Or, or, um, or a bullet is small, but it can cause damage. Or an atom when it's split. Or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We use all these small things. And I started thinking about just different things that are small, that are, that are powerful. Small, that are strong. Small, that can just... They can do big things, or they can cause massive destruction. I worked at a youth camp when I was uh, when I was in college, and we had this 360-acre ranch. We had horses and cows, and and all that kind of stuff. anybody anybody in here uh, ride horses or any horse people in here? Yeah, cool. And uh, so you guys will know what this is. Um, this is a um, a horse's bridle, all wrapped up and. Uh, uh, that's what this is, and um so anyway, so about pretty much every day i was I would be you know riding horses and you know during the winter'd be feeding the horses we'd be doing all this stuff with the horses and and um and working on the farm and you know uh, uh banning calves, which I'm not going to tell you what that is, uh, but it's pretty awesome and uh uh basically, you make the little calves steers so that they can't yeah, and then uh so they're kind of neutering and uh I guess I will tell you. And so we did all this kind of stuff. It was a lot of fun, and, and I enjoyed it out there. And, um, and, so, and, and the cool thing, something I always was fascinated by was the fact that, that, that this bridle, really what makes this bridle work is, is this right here. It's the bit. That little piece of metal right there. A little piece of metal goes into the mouth of the horses, and wherever you put pressure on one side or the other, that is which way you can steer and lead a horse. So you can steer a horse pretty much anywhere you want him to go, just by moving the reins to one side or to another, which puts pressure using this small little bit. This small little bit can steer this giant animal. We had this horse. His name was Charlie, he was blind yeah oh and uh and uh and so charlie um you know and so Charlie just had to trust us, you know so i would I would ride Charlie around and all that kind of stuff, and he was the best horse because he didn't know where he was going, so he kind of had to trust you in this whole situation, and so sometimes just to be funny, I'd like walk him into the barn, you know, and I'd be like, oh, whoops, you know, and uh I know I'm awful, and then uh so so one day we're rounding up all the horses and of course we round up all the horses they all run into the uh, into the the you know I guess through the gate into the little holding area where we would you know saddle all the horses up to take people on trail rides and all this kind of stuff but you know um, old Charlie he didn't he didn't know where the gate was because he couldn't really see that good so he would get up there so we'd kind of have to guide him in well one day I was out there and I had and I had a whip this just long whip you know you know just a, you know make that whole deal and uh, so I'm standing out there and I'm just walking behind and I'm like come on Charlie you know come on. You know, get come on, come on. And, uh, and Charlie just wouldn't go anywhere. He was just kind of standing there. So behind him, I just was like, I'll just give it a little whip pop. You know what I'm saying? So, so I take this whip and I go. And as soon as that whip popped, Charlie went. Woo! And he takes off running full speed. I'm talking a 2,000-pound animal running as fast as he can run. He can't see where he's going. It's like kamikaze planes coming down into Japan. I mean, it's nuts. And so so just this this 2,000-pound missile, and he's galloping along. He can't see where he's going. And he runs straight into the fence. The wood on the fence goes flying in the air. He goes flying in the air. He lands on his back. He gets back up, and he takes off running through the pasture. It was Awesome. Don't be calling the Humane Society on me. And then uh, other small things. Uh, you know, I was just seeing some in the news, you know, some of the, the, the cruise ship, um, one of the cruise ships for Carnival actually just got stranded because I had some engine problems in this massive, massive ship getting stuck because of a minor problem that happens. <laughs> And uh, you know, I think of a rudder on a ship—a small little rudder on a ship that steers a ship. And if anything goes on with the rudder, that affects the steering, and you can't really go anywhere when that happens. And so, when I was um, when I was uh, uh, in high school, I was about 16 years old. My parents had this like little lake house by place called White Lake, and my brother and myself and my best friend, we had a skiing antique. we would take it out onto the water, and we would do this like right before dark, and the reason we'd do it before dark is because all the ducks would land on the water right before dark, and so, and so the ducks are on the water, and so I would, I'd get in the boat, and we'd be like, you know, we'd be riding around, and we'd find a group of ducks, and then we'd go, and we'd just kick it, and we'd be going, you know, heading straight for these ducks, you know, and it's like, they're just kind of like swimming around, just chilling or whatever, and it's like, all of a sudden, they look up, and they see this missile heading at them, right? So they're like, they're like, you know, and they get up, and these ducks, they start going, man, they are digging it. They are getting out of there. They are trying to run for cover. They're hiding, and they're flying. Well, the interesting thing about it is, is that I guess when they get scared, when they get to flying that fast or whatever, um, they they only stay about this high off the water. Well, the boat goes faster than they go, you know what I'm saying? And so, so we would be chasing them, you know, and 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 the duck will be going, and we would just, and we'd just be gaining on them, you know what I'm saying? And we're like, oh, yeah, we're going to get you. And then we... And then we hit the duck. Says, "What we do? It's awesome." We turn around and we go back. We pull them out of the water and be like, "Oh, we just killed the duck." And we throw them back in the water because we don't want to get in trouble. and, so, and that's what we do. We do that like every day. Well, so I was telling my, we were telling my dad about it. <laughs> uh, so I'm telling my dad about it. My dad's like, my dad's like, my dad's like, "Not. There's no way. All they have to do is fly higher." I'm like, dude, that's what we've been saying this whole time. All these little punks have to do is fly higher. We can't get them, but I'm glad they don't fly higher because that would kill all our fun. So the next day we're like, we'll prove it to my dad. So we got the video camera. I was going to videotape this entire, ex- and, you know, excursion. And so we head out on the water, and we're, we're, we're heading across, and we see a group of ducks. It was actually three ducks. I'll remember it because this is scarred in my memory for all of my life. And uh, and we're, we're heading out across the water, and all of a sudden they see us. They get up, and they're flying away, and we're chasing them. We're chasing them. We're chasing them. And we're gaining on the camera. You know, my buddy Travis, he's holding the camera. And my brother's driving. I'm just standing there chilling, watching, like, get them. And... Uh, <laughs> And so 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 we're holding the camera and and uh and 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 we're closing in on them. I mean, we are like I mean, we are like I mean, we are feet from getting the ducks, you know. We're excited about it. And then all of a sudden <clears throat> boat's wide open. All of a sudden, the ducks bank hard left. They didn't bank hard right. They didn't bank hard up. They didn't bank down. They banked hard left. I'll never forget it. And as soon as they banked hard left, of course, my brother did what anybody would do when you're trying to chase something and kill it. You do what it does. So my brother banks hard left. When he does, we were going so fast that the steering cable snapped and we just went whoo vroom, boom, boom, all in the water and come to a complete stop, right? The camera's flying everywhere. I, my brother was driving. He ended up in the back seat. We like got, we're injured. We're bleeding everywhere. You know, we couldn't even show my dad the film because there was so much bad language on the camera afterwards. Because you see, these ducks close in, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's like beep, 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 beep. the camera's flying all over the place. You know, it was crazy, and uh, and so those ducks got the best of us. Well, what happened was is that now the steering cable is broken. We have the we have the wheel, but we can't turn the rudder because the cable running from from the from the steering wheel back to the rudder has been has been severed. And so we're, we're trying to go. And so every time we hit the gas, the boat would just. Just go in a circle. And we're out in the middle of the lake. Now, we would go out right before dark, and so we were stuck. So we were getting stuck out there for like two hours in the middle of the lake. We're like trying to call people. We're trying to get people to come and get us. Nobody can come and get us. My dad did not have an extra boat to come out and get us. So we're just pretty much stuck. And finally, we get some help and get pulled in. Thank God we got saved. But that little bitty rudder, man, that causes us some problems. Or another small thing that <clears throat> can cause major problems is a spark. Just a little spark. And can light a whole entire forest on fire. In fact, uh, I've, I've started two forest fires on accident. I'm telling you, I have a crazy life. So you didn't even know, did you, Deanna? You didn't know my life was that exciting. You thought, oh, he's a youth pastor. His life's probably boring. He probably doesn't do anything but sit at home and, like, read the Bible. <laughs> so so what happened was is that... Uh, what happened was is that, uh, I'll just tell you one of the times that happened, um, and uh, we, we got a ticket for, we got a ticket and uh, a burning violation, we burned seven acres of land this time. What was, we're building this paintball course, we're at the camp, we're building this paintball course, and, and so we were dragging all this brush and all this stuff, and we were throwing it in a pile, and we were burning it, and it all burned down, we have been working on this all day, it was down to just a little bit of embers left, there's just a few little embers, all the flames and stuff was done. And so we got finished, and we had a couple igloo coolers, it was time for dinner, we take those full of water, we dump them on the fire, pretty much the whole thing was out, there's just a couple little embers there, we're like, no big deal, we're good. So we go in, we eat dinner, we get finished eating dinner, we walk out, we look up, and there is smoke billowing out of the woods. And we're like, oh crap. And so we take off running through the woods, and we're sprinting through the woods, and all of a sudden we come up on just flames. I mean, probably an area the size of this room and they're just spreading. Trees are burnt like halfway up like this, just flaming. <laughs> and it's so hot, you can't even get close to it. We're freaking out. We don't know what to do. And so we run back. We're like taking five-gallon buckets of water. You know, we're like, man, we don't want to get in trouble. You know, we're like throwing them on the fire. But then we had to call the fire department because uh, we was out of control when they came out. By the time they got it out, we would burned seven acres of land, and we got a burning violation because of it because it was a really dry part of the year, and they didn't want us to burn anything during that time. We didn't know that. And even if we did, we probably still have burned anyway, thinking that we wouldn't get caught and we got in trouble Why don't I tell you that? I I tell you that because the context of what we're going to talk about tonight is that there is something that is very small that is a part of your life that you use every single day that can cause unbelievable harm and it can cause unbelievable joy and encouragement. And that's your tongue. As we go through this faith work series and now we're in James chapter 3. James chapter 3, he basically addresses our language, our tongue, how we talk. And I want you to notice what he says. We're going to put it up on the screen. We're going to read James chapter 3 together with us. But notice what he says. He says, this isn't verse (laughs) 1. Or do we got verse 1? All right, I'll tell you what, I'll read it. He says this, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly now look he starts out he says listen it you shouldn't presume to be teachers you shouldn't go after being a teacher because if you're a teacher you're going to be judged more strictly so hey Derek if you're going to be teaching in front of people you better know what the heck you're talking about you better be studied up you better be prayed up you better be ready because the things that come out of your mouth better be truth because if not you're going to be judged more strictly because of those things And so you have to be careful when you're teaching someone something. When you're saying something to someone, he's saying be careful because you're going to be held more strictly. Because what happens is, is that when someone else respects you and you say something, they hold that as truth. And when they hold that as truth, if you told them something that is an untruth, now they believe an untruth as truth and they go on the rest of their lives believing an untruth about something. And this happens all the time. Students believing things that their teacher tell them. Etc. Then says we stumble in many ways. I think that's where we pick it up. We stumble, we we all stumble in many ways. We can all agree to that. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Look what he says. When we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey, obey us, we can turn the entire animal. Set on fire by hell. It's pretty strong words. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, right? Like you know this, you go to sea world and you see the dolphins and you see the animals and elephants and things that have been tamed. I guess there's not elephants in the sea world, but <clears throat> but no human being, listen, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt spring produce fresh water. Notice what he says. He starts out in verses 2 through 8, and he tells a story of of the same things I just told you guys. A spark that causes this massive forest fire, a bit in a horse's mouth, and a rudder on a ship. And he says, listen, these things are small, but but they can do great things. They can cause great damage. They can steer a whole animal in the same way with your tongue. Though your tongue is small, the power of it is great. Though your tongue is small, the power of it is great. And and look what he says in in, in verse verse 6. He says and it can corrupt the entire person. He's saying listen your tongue can inc- can corrupt the entire person. You can have other things in check in your life but if you don't have your tongue in check it can corrupt you. It can it can turn things bad for you quickly. It says that your tongue is a world of evil. Let's talk about this. And we need to open up this conversation. We need to have a serious conversation about this. And I want to talk about things that I think that you guys deal with on a daily basis. Because there were things that I deal with. And so first I want you to notice what he says here in, verse, uh, in verse, verses 9 and 10. He addresses cursing. He addresses cursing. Let's, let's look at verses 9 and 10 up here. He says, "With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. Cursing, my brothers and sisters, this should not be." He said, "Hold on a second. We call ourselves Christians. This whole thing is about if you're truly a follower of Christ, and your actions are going to back up what you say. And so you call yourself a Christian, but you don't really live what you believe because you're in here at church, you're raising your hands, you're singing these songs, show me a glory. And you're singing these songs and you're getting all into it. And you're like, man, God, this is it. I'm praising you. Oh, you're the best. God, I feel this. But then when we walk out of this place or even in this place when no one else is listening and our mouth is filthy, We curse other people. We curse at other people. I know what you're saying. It's not a big deal, man. This is our culture. It's our society. It's who we are. It's not that big of a deal. Everybody does it. See, what happens is, is that when in our culture, when our culture normalizes things, then we begin to think that they're okay. So we justify our behavior and we think that God doesn't have to say anything about it because culture has already normalized it. God has something to say about it. He says, how can praise and cursing come from the same mouth? This should not be. See, the reality is your opinion doesn't matter. Your parents' opinion doesn't matter. Your teacher's opinion doesn't matter. Your school's opinion doesn't matter. Your friend's opinion doesn't matter. The only opinion that matters is God's opinion, and God has spoken. He makes it crystal clear for us here. In fact, I looked up the the cursing in in the Webster's Dictionary just to see what, what the definition of it was. I want you to listen to the words that are used to describe cursing in Webster's Dictionary. To curse at, use profane, blasphemous, or obscene language against. To bring evil or injury on or to afflict. To bring evil against, to bring injury on or to afflict. And society doesn't find things for us the bible does see we don't think it's a big deal let me tell you what they didn't think was a big deal in the bible's days and paul had to write a letter to the church at corinth because this is what the church people were doing see it was culturally acceptable in corinth where they had the temple of aphrodite for everyone to go up on the mountain to the temple to sleep with the temple prostitutes they had over a thousand temple prostitutes at the temple of Aphrodite. And as an act of worship to the temple of Aphrodite, to the, to the goddess Aphrodite, they would go up and they would sleep with these temple prostitutes in order to, to show their worship. It was such a part of their culture... That when people give their life to Christ, they didn't stop going to the temple. So literally, you had these married men who were married to their wives, and they're going up to this temple sleeping with other men as an act of worship to this goddess, and now they are Christians. And Paul writes a letter to them, and he's like, what are you doing? He spends the entire chapter of 6 of First Corinthians rebuking them, telling them this is what God's design for sex is. This is how sex is in God's eyes, and this is how you need to view it. And in chapter 7, he talks about sex in the context of marriage and what marriage should look like. See, the Christian men in that day thought that it was culturally acceptable because everybody else did it. It was cool. It wasn't a big deal. And so they went out and they would still do this. And we would say, man, that's ridiculous behavior. There's no way I would ever let my husband, I would never let my wife do that. But this is what was going on during Bible times. Culture doesn't define truth, God does. And we have to be careful. See, you know know in the Bible where it talks about the world, you've heard people say, oh, don't don't be like the world. Don't Don't live like the people of the world. What does that even mean, the world? Like in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he says, do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does it mean not to be conformed any longer by the patterns of the world? The world in Scripture means culture or society. Do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of pop culture and U.S. society the way our culture is. That's how that scripture would read in today's language. Do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of the world because here's the deal. The Bible tells us that if you are a follower of Jesus, you are no longer of the world. You don't, you're no longer conforming Lord, to the patterns of the word, but you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. What happens is, is that now you no longer live under the kingdom of this world, but now you live under the kingdom of God as a follower of Jesus. And so because of that, your life looks totally different than someone who is living under the kingdom of the world. There's transformation taking place. You don't think the same way. You don't act the same way. You don't live the same way. Not because you are a better person, but because Jesus Christ now lives in you, and he is changing you from the inside out. So culture doesn't define it. As last night somebody brought up, they said, yeah, but I I heard a pastor one time cuss. Yeah. And I know pastors that have cheated on their wives. And I know pastors that have done some pretty horrible things. But your standard isn't your pastor. Your standard is God. And on the day of judgment, you don't answer to me. You answer to God. And we have to be careful. All of a sudden, what we do is we begin looking for reasons to justify our behavior. And so if someone we respect falls then what we do is we think that it's okay for us to do that because that person that we respect does that. So true. You have to be careful. You have to be careful. Because there are people watching you. And the reality is there are people that look up to you. There are people that respect you. You may be the only Christian in their life. And they're watching you. It would be like this. If I was hanging out with a group of you guys and we were just hanging out at the mall or we were at the beach or something like that. And some girl walked by. And we were all like, dang that girl. And I was like, man, I hit that. (laughs) Which I would never say. (laughs) But let's just say I did. If I said that, and I'm your youth pastor, and I said that in front of you. Let me tell you what you're going to think. I just lost some respect for that guy. He's he's supposed to be a pastor. Did you hear what he just said? That girl walked by and he says, I'm going to hit that. That's so disrespectful. Man, a pastor shouldn't say that. You know that your friends that don't know Jesus, your friends that are living far from God, they're looking at you too. And when you say things like that, that's exactly how they look at you. Exactly. And you gotta be careful. Because your tongue, the Bible tells us here, can be a world of evil. I know that many of us struggle with with cursing. And I know this because when I was in youth group, other people cursed. I know this because when I was in middle school, high school, elementary school, ever since I was like first grade, I cussed. This is a part of my language. It's the hardest thing I ever had to quit when I became a Christian, but I knew that it wasn't honoring to God. And I felt like there were several places that I had to get control of in order for me to get control of that in my life. And I want to get practical with you. The first was the music I listened to. All the music I listened to had F bombs like every other word. And I'm going to tell you, it's really difficult to be putting that stuff into your head and into your heart on a consistent basis and that stuff not come out of you. We're going to get to that in a few minutes. You've got to be careful. The number two song right now on the billboard charts is Thrift Shop. Y'all know the song. Y'all know the song. If I played it right now, y'all would be up going, Yeah. Back that thing up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, have you read the lyrics to that song? I did. I did. Know what you're putting in your mind. The second thing I would say is this. I can spend 10 minutes with your friends and I can tell you whether you cuss or not. Because if every other word that comes out of your friend's mouth are, you know, F this or this or that or whatever, dude, that's what's coming out of your mouth when you're not around. Me. And that's the truth. I went on a cruise a couple years ago with some buddies. We're hanging out on the boat and none of them are Christians and... They are cussing and talking about all this kind of stuff and everything else. It was a seven-day cruise. By the fifth day, like, and I don't cuss. I'm a youth pastor this time, too. I don't cuss none of that kind of stuff. By, like, the fifth day, dude, I'm, like, cussing like crazy. I'm, like, what the heck is going on? Why am I cussing so much? I'm kind of spending time with these guys, man. I'm around it so much that all of a sudden it just, it's just coming out of me. I'm just filling myself when I hadn't been spending time with God because I was, you know, hanging out on the cruise ship. And, I, you know, I didn't make time for God. And I wasn't filling myself up with the Spirit every day. But, man, I was filling myself up on this junk every day listening to these dudes talk. And that's what came out of me. And you have to be careful. You have to guard yourself. At the same time, I don't think you go to your friends and say, hey, don't cuss around me. I'm a Christian. Because that just drives people away. It makes you look religious. Makes you look stupid. And nobody's ever going to follow anything That is that judgmental. So you gotta be careful. You gotta watch your friends. You gotta watch the things that you listen to. You gotta watch the things that you put in your mind. But this is what I know you can stop. And let me tell you how I know you can stop. Because I cussed like a sailor when I was in high school. And I'd go spend a week with my grandmother and my grandfather. And I wouldn't say any cuss words around them. I don't know how your grandparents are. Dude, my grandmother would beat my tail, you know what I'm saying? Man, I, I wouldn't cuss around them at all. I would never cuss around my parents. It was, I mean, I'd walk in the first time, what up, mother? You know, and I walk into my par- I walk into my parents' house. If I went up to my mom and said, what up, Mom? said, my mom would be like, What? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? My mom's a ninja, dude. I'm telling you right now. I mean, she, she, she devastates somebody, you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, like, I, I'm, I've, you know, I'm still deal, dealing with issues. I remember one time, I was riding, we were riding in the car, and, and, uh, and I just rolled my eyes at my mom, and she laid me out. I'm like 17. I'm in high school, right? And I, I'm, I'm driving in the car, and my mom said something, and I was like, and I rolled my eyes. My head got to about right here, and all of a sudden, she went, with her right hand, she just got a hand on the steering wheel, she just went, <laughs> and she just punched me right in the I went uh, <laughs> What the heck are you doing? Don't you ever roll your eyes at me again, boy. I said, "Yes, ma'am." <laughs> my mom's crazy. Ask my wife. She's a ninja. <laughs> crazy in-law. And uh, my mom is the crazy in-law. <laughs> And, uh, but dude, that's how my mom is. You know, I would never say that stuff around my mom. I would never say that stuff around my youth pastor. I would never say that stuff around them. But it was funny as soon as I got around my friends, man. It was like, it was like, man, I just say whatever I want to say. It's funny how we can turn it off when we want to turn it off. But then the other times we can't turn it off. And this is what I found. When I finally did quit cussing, my friends who did cuss didn't even know that I wasn't even cussing. They couldn't even tell. Not one time in my life. Has anyone ever come to me and says, hey, man, do you cuss? Nobody's ever asked me that question, and I don't cuss. People don't even notice. It's not like, oh, yeah, here's here's the guy over here that doesn't say the bad words. They don't even know. They don't even know. And you got to be careful too. You got to be careful about the filler words. Now I'm not crazy about I'm not getting all crazy on the filler words like damn freak instead of this or whatever. You know, the reality is sometimes you just got to, you know, sometimes you just got, you know, you can't just be like, you know, whole oh, rat tails. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, <laughs> holy goobers. Um, you know, that? I mean, sometimes you just say crap. But listen, this is this is important going back to the culture thing. This is what happens. This is what happens, going back to the culture thing. What happens is, is that, is that like for example, I, I, would, I remember earlier, you know, I'd be preaching and I'd say sucks or I'd say crap. And, and afterwards, um, like I would have these, par- these parents come up to me or the le- older leaders come to me and they'd be like, you shouldn't say sucks. You need to look it up in the dictionary. You shouldn't say that. I'm like sucks. It just means that something stinks. It means that something bad. It doesn't mean that to your parents' generation. It doesn't. It means something a little perverted. That's what it means to your parents' generation. Let's just be real about it. So what happens is, what happens is, what happens is, is that because it was used during your parents' generation... And then it got picked up by the next generation and it's been passed down to you. It got cheapened a little bit more as it got down to you. So now it's not a big deal. You don't think about it in that way. That's just everyday language. It just sucks. You don't even think about that in that context. I'm like, I never even thought about that. That's not the way I use it, but it's been cheapened. Let me tell you what happens in culture. What happens in culture, and this is how Satan works, is he takes in one generation and we cheapen it a little bit, and then in the next generation we cheapen it a little more, and the next generation we cheapen it a little more, and Until eventually it becomes status quo. It becomes normal. And no longer do we have a problem with the things we're doing. If you don't think this is true, look at marriage for example. 50 years ago, like 5% of people got divorced. Today, 65% of people get divorced. Marriage has been cheapened. If you would ask someone 20 years ago if there would be legislation going right now attacking marriage and the foundations of marriage and what marriage should be and shouldn't be and how we define it, they would say, you're crazy. That will never happen. Yet that is exactly what's happening right now. Marriage has been cheapened in our culture. And I promise you the next generation will have a lower view on marriage than you do. And the next generation will have a lower view of marriage than your children do. And that's what our culture does, and that's how the enemy works. And God says, listen, people, you need to wake up. you got to be careful. Our tongue shows the condition of the heart. Verses 11 and 12, put those up. Their tongue shows the condition of the heart. It says, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig-free bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a, a salt spring produce water. Basically, what he's saying, fresh water. Basically, what he's saying is, he says, how, how, can, how can a fresh water spring produce salt water? It can. It's impossible for it to. How can a follower of, of Christ produce filth? See, you've been changed. You've been new. How is it that now you say you're a follower of Christ and, and now things are different in your life and now it's supposed to be fresh water, but everything that's coming out of you looks like salt water and people around you are going, hold on a second, bro. You ain't no fresh water. You got to be salt water because salt water doesn't come out of a fresh water spring. You got to be careful. I mean, he's going back and he's basically saying, "Man, do you even know Jesus? Has your life really been changed?" I man, this is a condition of the heart, right? I uh, notice what he says in Luke six forty five: A good man, a who man, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man, a who man. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for out of the mouth, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What does your heart have to be full of to speak the things that come out of your mouth on a regular basis? He said, hey, let's take this thing a little deeper. It's not just about how powerful your tongue is. It's about where's your heart at? Because ultimately, this whole conversation about the way you talk and the way that you use your tongue, this whole conversation breaks down to a condition of your heart. For if your heart is full of good things, then it's going to produce good things out of your mouth. And if your heart is full of filth, it's going to produce other things out of your mouth. This is a condition of your heart. You've got to be careful. You've got you to watch your heart. So... How do we use our words to tear down? I just put a couple of things down that I thought were kind of relevant to us. And we've talked about cursing. We've talked about other things. Um, how do we use our words to tear down? I don't think it's just talking about this in this passage. He's talking about other things like, like bullying. I mean, bullying is kind of a big deal. I mean, people are killing themselves. Because they're getting made fun of. Now, when I got made fun of, I just punched people in the face. I don't know how it is in y'all's world today, but uh, I'm just kidding. But yeah, I did. Sometimes. And, uh, but now this is serious, right? This person feels like they can't even take it anymore because every time they go to school, somebody's picking on them, talking about them, talking junk about them, tearing them down, ripping them up, all that kind of stuff. Man, nobody wants to live like that. Nobody wants to live like that. The cool thing is that as, as a Christian, we have this amazing opportunity, if our heart is right and we have this thing right, to, to speak unbelievable healing into the life of someone who's hurting. But do we use our tongue for that? I mean, I think about the Columbine shooting back when I was in high school. Where two guys who had been picked on and bullied and made fun of then decided they would go into the school and they would just shoot everybody in the school. Who made fun of them because they wanted to inflict physical pain on the people who had inflicted so much emotional and mental pain on them. That does not excuse their behavior, but it does explain it. And I promise you this no student ever, no student at a school that's had a school shooting the day before the shooting would have happened, no student has ever, ever said, Yeah, I think a shooting is going to happen at my school. That's never happened. I went to college with a girl who was at Columbine. She actually was running down the hallway while they were shooting at her. She ran into a room and a bullet went straight through her hair, missing the back of her scalp as she ran into a classroom. She married one of my friends. She never thought it would happen in her school. This is serious. The second thing is gossip. Gossip. Your tongue can be divisive and destructive. You know the old saying, sticks and stones can break your bones, but words can never hurt you? Oh, yes, they do. Words hurt, they dig deep, and they hurt bad. Gossip. And listen, guys struggle with gossip, but girls, listen up. Oh, I know how it is. Girl walks up, oh, your hair's so pretty. She walks away and like, can you believe what she wore to school today? Oh, my goodness. Can you believe she did that with her boyfriend? Oh. You know what's interesting? This is what I've found about gossip. This is what I've found about rumors. What I've found about gossip and what I've found out about rumors is there's always a little bit of truth in them, and there's always a little bit of lie in them. They're never 100% true. There's always a little bit of truth and there's always a little bit of lie. And what happens is is that we hear something from someone else and we buy it all as total truth. We never know the whole circumstance. We never know the whole situation. So we buy it all as truth and then we go and we spread it on the other people. And what we do is we end up damaging and destroying someone else's reputation. Damaging and destroying someone else's credibility because we just want to have the story and share it. And it's so dangerous. We never have all the truth. It'd be like if I went up. To, if something Deanna came up to me, who's sleeping? I don't know how she's sleeping. I'm preaching good tonight, <laughs> and uh, and uh, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be like if Deanna came up to me and she said, she Deanna came up to me and she said, and she said, Matt Wonderlic slapped his girlfriend. Can you believe it? <laughs> and I and I would be like. No, I don't, because Matt doesn't have a girlfriend. But no, I'm <laughs> But what I would say is, but let's say he did. But let's say he did, because he's a catch. And ladies that are adults, he's single. All right, so and so what happens is, what happened is I don't even know what I'm talking about right now. And so and so what happened is is that uh, she says that to me. So this so listen, I'm gonna tell you what the Bible tells us to do. Matthew chapter 18. I hear this I'm like, man, that doesn't really sound like something Matt would do because I know Matt. I know Matt's character. I know who Matt is. Matt's a good dude. There's no way that Matt would ever harm a fly. There's no way that he would ever hit his girlfriend. And so if I went over to Matt, and said, hey, Matt, bro, like, dude, what's going on, man? Is everything okay? And Matt's like, yeah, man, why? Well, dude, I just, man, you're my boy and I just want to talk to you about it, man. And, you know, did you, dude, I just heard this rumor. Did you hit your girlfriend? He just starts laughing and he's like, yeah, man, I did. I did, Dude. What happened was is that we were sitting there and we were eating ice cream at Brewster's and this bee started flying around and I went to swat the bee and I missed the bee and hit her right in the face. And like I couldn't even believe what happened and, and like we were both laughing about it and so I went to her and I was like, hey listen man, I heard Matt, yeah she starts laughing, yeah he did slap me man, there was this bee flying around and I'm like trying to dodge it. I'm freaking out because I hate bees and then he swatted at it and my head was in, and I got slapped in the face. Now, now, the story was partially true, right? He did slap her in the face, but there was more to the story. And what happens in gossip 100% of the times, you don't know the whole story. 100% of the time. And you keep spreading it, and you keep spreading it. So then I go and I say, hey, man, would you believe that Matt slapped his girlfriend? Hey, would you believe that Matt slapped his girlfriend? Oh, yeah? Hey, you want to go jump him and beat him up? I hate guys that hit girls. Yeah, let's do it. Next thing you know, Matt's jumped, beat up, broken arm, broken face, and all he did was try to save his girlfriend from the beat. That's how it happens. <clears throat> About vulgar conversations and joking. Guys, pay attention. Locker room talk. Let's just be real. Remember at the beginning where he talks about how how we curse human beings who are the image of God? You know that the ladies in this room bear the image of God? They are valued children of the Most High God. And when you look at them in a perverted, disgusting way and you talk about them in that kind of way... God is not honored, and he's not pleased. And you need to stop it. See, this is what I found. I found that sometimes we say things that don't necessarily hurt or inflict injury to someone else, but it inflicts injury to our testimony and to the person that we are. So somebody walks by, and you're like, yeah, man, I hit, I hit that. She doesn't hear you say that, and so she, you didn't hurt her. You didn't offend her at all but you've just hurt your testimony in front of the guys that are around you. You've just lost the opportunity to witness and share to them. You've just lost the opportunity to be a light in their life. I'm telling you, man, our tongue is so powerful. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 says this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that, only what is helpful. For building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Listen, do not let any wholesome talk, unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. In other words, use your tongue for the way God intended it. Encourage people. Build up people. Man, you know if someone's over there and they've been bullied and people have been tearing them down, you know how kind it would be to walk up there and say, hey, how are you doing? What is your name? I'd really like to get to know you. Use your tongue to encourage other people, to build other people up, to encourage them in the faith, not to tear them down. Because this is what I found. We gossip about people. We talk smack about people in order to tear them down. And the reason we want to tear them down is so that it builds us up and makes us look better. Man, when we go and we start encouraging people and challenging people and caring for people and loving people, we actually are becoming more like Jesus, which is kind of the point, right? Christians must use their words for good and not evil. I want to close out with something. I want to put something up on the screen um, here, just a statement that I just want us to say together. And I I I want to read it first. It says this, my tongue can crush someone's world or make them feel like they are on top of the world. And I make that choice every time I open my mouth. Let me read it again. My tongue can crush someone's world or make them feel like they are on top of the world. And I, I make that choice every time I open my mouth. This is what I want to do and for the sake of being corny or whatever, I think this is extremely important and I want you to get this. I want you to memorize this. I want you to, to, to meditate on this for the rest of this week. But I want us to read this together out loud. Read it with me. I want to read it through just a couple of times and I want you to, just to think about these words as you read them. So let's read it together. You ready? My tongue can crush someone's world or make them feel like they are on top of the world. And I make that choice every time I open my mouth. Say it again. My tongue can crush someone's world or make them feel like they are on top of the world. And I make that choice every time I open my mouth. The band's going to come up and they're going to close us out tonight in in a time of worship. And I just feel like that when we get to the end of the service and and it's kind of the closing song. Let me tell you why we do a closing song like this. We do this so that you have the opportunity to respond to God. So that you have the opportunity to lay your life bare before God and say, Hey God, speak to something in my heart and my life that I need to get right with you right now. And my guess is that most of us in this room need to have a conversation with God right now. Because as much as you offend others, you're offending the one true God. So I want to challenge you. During these songs, these last this, this last time of of worship, I want to challenge you just to, to seek God, to confess your sins to Him, to, to ask Him for help. I know what some of you are saying. You're like, man, dude, this is crazy. Like, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to be able to stop saying this stuff. There's no way I'm going to be able to stop talking like that. There's no way. And you're right, there isn't. Apart from the power of God working in you. Remember, I started out at the or I talked to earlier about the fact that it starts with the heart. You will never get victory over that in your life if your heart's not right with Him. And so I want to challenge you, I want to encourage you tonight. Get your heart right with Him. Lay your life bare before Him. Surrender your life to Him. Because out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. Father, just be with these students. Be with this time of worship. Move in our hearts, Lord. May we grow closer in our relationship with you through this time of worship. May you just give us the strength to lay our lives bare before you, to lay our pride aside to not care what anybody else around us is thinking or saying, but to focus on our relationship with you and the things that we deal with and live by in our life. Meet with us in this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.